This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, Paul. And I'm Scott. And I'm Trish. And we're going to talk about Donald D. Westlake novel called Dancing Aztecs. Um, I can't remember when uh, it was published. I think it was 75-ish. Cause 19, 1976. 76, yes, okay. It, fe- it feels like yep. a mid-70s setting. So. Yes. Very yes, and I can answer all your questions. <laughs> Almost all of them. Yeah. Okay, can you? Is, is, is this... Is, um, is no, it his longest novel? No, but it's very close. <laughs> um, do you know why uh, it's so weird? Because that's the hardest question to answer. It's a weird book. Why right? is it so weird? It is. It's it's, it's, it's a, atypical. It's a it's a, it's a, it's a it, I, I mean I'll, I'll jump right off. I was going to wait for this. I'm going to jump right the movie I kept thinking of as I was listening to this book is it's a mad 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 world it's got to bring that up to you paul yeah you are correct the same sort of weird comic sensibility and coincidences and characters running into each other all trying to get the same thing and failing miserably with with, with, complete with twist yes and um i was introduced to this genre i guess i'm not nearly as old as paul because uh, it's a mad, mad, mad world is from the '60s, I think, '65. Yeah, yes, but I saw it. I saw it on Channel Eleven in New York City in the, in the late '70s, early '80s, and I'm and I fell in love with the movie. It's, it's also one of my fa- late father's favorite movies. So I have a. So I might be too young to remembered it originally, but it's a movie that has a giant place in my heart. So this book, this yeah, this book, cool. having the same sort of sensibility and. And uh, feel really, I really warmed to it immediately because it's like, <laughs> hey, this is they, they can make a movie like it's a man, man, man. Well, out of this book, it had the with the same sort of zaniness, it would, it would work. I yeah. thought you would like it. Had you read it before? <laughs> oh, I've I, never uh, read it before. Had you read it before, yeah. Trish? Oh yes. Wow. Oh, um, I, I have. When I lived in Westchester, Pennsylvania, the uh, public library there had probably every Donald Westlake book ever ever published. That's and pretty hard, pretty bold claim. Them. Wow, that's yeah. a bold claim. I'm, I'm like currently doing that, <laughs> having fun. Um, you know, someone, I just pick, pick someone, one up every now and then, and just love them. Yeah, yeah, someone at that library loved Donald Westlake and bought every time he published something. It was oh, a, a huge collection. <laughs> yeah, have you have you um, ever seen the movie called Rat Race? Yes, and I it disappointed me. It's not yeah. it's not some mad 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 world. Right, it's clearly inspired by that, but that's the movie that popped in my head as I was reading it. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably because uh, Mad 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 World is not just foremost in my memory, but. In Rat Race, um, you know, everybody, there, there was a bunch of different people at a casino and they all had to race somewhere to make to make money. <laughs> and this was kind of the same type of a concept. Well, let me, let me tell you uh, what this, this quasi-genre is called. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called epic comedy. Um, epic comedy. Okay. It, it, there's not a Wikipedia entry for it, but there are references to it within is Wikipedia. Is there a TV Tropes entry for it? There's there probably is. This book. But I, I'll just... I'll just clarify it by telling you the first time I ever saw it, and I didn't understand it, but I thought it was wonderful, um, was in a movie called The Cannonball Run. Mm. Yeah. If you think about how The Cannonball Run works, you've got uh, 
a whole bunch of celebrities, most of whom mm-hmm. I had never seen before because I was young, but they were all old people who are mostly old people who had been in things before. And I recognized one of them because one of them was James Bond, um, Roger Moore playing uh, James Bond. <laughs> but actually, he's playing Roger Moore. <laughs> Even yeah. though he's not Roger Moore, right? Um, he's a Jewish guy who's pretending to be uh, a British secret agent, and he drives a Austin Martin DB5 um, in a race across the country, along with a whole bunch of celebrities who seem to have some sort of connection to each other, like Dean Martin and uh, um, who's the guy with one eye and uh, a Jewish religion, black guy. Uh, uh, Sammy Davis. Jr. Sammy Davis. Yeah. Sammy Davis yeah. Jr., right? Who play a pair of priests who are driving a hot rod car to a diocese in, in California, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. there's an ambulance, uh, full of, um, uh, you know, zany, zany folks falling in love while they're trying to race across the country for a million dollars, right? <laughs> um, it's a stupid movie and it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> really stupid yeah, and really so- good. Yeah, so I, uh, and Trish, um, you can let me know if I'm wrong on this, but the reason I said that this was atypical for Westlake is um, all the Westlake that I've read takes basically one of these characters or groups of characters and follows that through the book, whereas this one has a huge cast and just bounce, 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 you know, and it's funny as heck, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's not typical. To me, it wasn't very typical Westlake. Um in scenes, yeah, every scene is very Westlake, but overall the picture is is unwestlakean. <laughs> unwestlakean. Yeah, go ahead, Trish. <laughs> um, usually, uh, Westlake does have you know somewhat of a cast of characters, but even the Dortmunder books usually only have like six people. Yeah, and usually, um, you're not switching from scene to scene to scene every page or so. It's you follow things a little more, uh, more, more in arcs. Um, and this is really the big, let's see the cast that is listed oh, yeah. on, uh, on the book yeah. is like, uh, 40 people or so. <laughs> yeah. And a bird. Um, Don't forget the Eagle funny, or the you? Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> the Hawk gets its own. Yeah. <laughs> Entry in right. that, and its own view. I, I think that chapter is called "Omniscient Point of View." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I love yeah, that the so, chapter breaks too. They're just too funny. Oh, I mean, yes. or, or the chapter titles. Yes, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. Um, it's it's. I really love the structure of this book. Um, it's really so very clever and shows Westlake's craftsmanship. He's a um, master at this terrible genre. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I wouldn't call it a terrible genre. It's, it's a terrible a genre, art, but it's yes, it's very, the, very entertaining. It is and absolutely entertaining. It it's, it's, but do. it's also light, right? So, like, yeah. Um, uh, Scott and I did a, a Westlake book for his podcast recently called "Somebody Owes Me Money." And I say mm-hmm. recently. I think it was was it last year. It feels like yeah, five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, that that one's very tight, right? Uh, but it's the same, it's the same ideas as in this book. There's a problem somewhere in New York. A guy goes looking for something. Uh, misunderstandings happen. Romance. Book's finished. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he talks, he talks so much about New York in this, you know, I know it's the setting. Yeah. But it, it's like, 
him showing us New York in a way. Yep. Um, and you know, he, he made the point where when you live in New York, you, you really don't live in all of New York. You live in a borough in New York and a, you're, not even a borough, you're like, neighborhood. Yeah. Neighborhood. So you're, you're like similar. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're a member of this neighborhood, but you know, to say that, uh, there's such a thing as a New Yorker, you know, this person hasn't been to that neighborhood. You know, there's so much of New York that everyone doesn't know. Um, I, I thought that was really kind of an interesting thing. And then he he says, you know, well, everybody in New York is looking for something. That's the opening mm-hmm. thing. And then he closes that right at the end, mm-hmm. uh, which is very cool. Yeah, yeah he also I, I, has that as the beginning of the um, the second day of the search, I think. It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, all yeah, these people. his story takes place over like three days. Not even, right? It's a, it's a, it's a few days, but I... From from it's fifteen from hours and from then you have an South Am- at the end a few months later. Right, oh, fifteen <laughs> hours from South America to to uh, New York by aircraft. Right, oh. they're stopping seven times, and we get the inferred barfing. <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I, as how, as how is this York- not a movie? By the way, I mean, so, yeah. it's okay, thing. I have a feeling. This Westlake, uh, you know, every Westlake that I've read, I'm like, gosh, you could just, you could put this right on film and it would be magnificent, you know. Um, and I have started to look at some Westlake movies. There's too, a lot of them. Find, There's trying a, to find a, where he's. Probably about 20 of them. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, there are quite a few of them. Um, the ones I've seen have not quite lived up to the books. I don't know why it is that they don't why, why translate better. Maybe I do. the studio There's... execs just mess with well, them too much. Uh, you know, he's really good. He's uh, like, There's stuff in here that is very filmic. But then there's so much that is just... I mean, how much does he play with... Um, in novels, <laughs> characters would never do this, right? Like, he has yeah. scenes... Over and over again, where you know he he does the om he says the omniscient point of view, and then he shows you what's going on from the Hawks' point of view, and he tells us, "Oh my God, he's the master of the novel form," and that's like he he's at the height of his his power, his writing powers in this book. But the problem is he's not using it for his powers for good. He's using it for for like the most simplistic. Kind of comedy that we enjoy uh, in Jack, movies, Jack, and I, I, I like yes, Cannonball like, Run. I like it, like, but it's trash. Like, it sounds like this is this movie, this novel is too slight for your tastes. Is that correct? I really enjoyed it, but if but, if, but if, if you were like you wanted something more substantial, I, I think more sub- substantial. I, I no, guess. it's not even substan- substantial. It's I think the, the genre itself is silly, right? Like like if 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 I think about somebody owes me money. I think that's a great book. Really fun. Super cute, right? All sorts of cool stuff going on in it. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. Here, I think this is really fun and I see him enjoying himself, but it's almost like self-indulgent too. Because when you make a movie like The Cannonball Run, <laughs> what you're doing is you're relying on Dean Martin to do a lot of work and Farrah Fawcett to do a lot of work. And, you know, and then what happens? What's the inevitable sequel, right? Cannonball run too. (laughs) That's the problem is they are inherently good place. Bad for you. Watched a good place. Haven't you watched a good place? Oh yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So Cannonball wall, 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 too brings memories of the good place to my mind as it should to you. Mm. 
Because yeah, I haven't seen it, Cannonball it, Run 2. Right, but, but remember, that's the only movie you get to watch in the mediocre place. Yeah. Oh, right, right. That's right. <laughs> and the reason it's mediocre is because, you know, Cannonball Run's a great movie. But, you know, for all of those movies, and uh, there's uh, the uh, Fabulous Men in Their Flying Machines, came out the same year as A Mad Mad World, I think. And um, and there's a sequel to, the, to that called The... The glorious men in their jalopies or something. It's about a road race and and remember there was a TV show called Wacky Races cartoon. I, um, I, yes, I vaguely, remember Dick Dastardly yes. with Dick Dastardly. Yes, yes, and so and then this started infecting everything. Like it was a plague that we've sort of gotten through and over. Think, do you remember uh, we would see like the Harlem Globetrotters showing up on Scooby Doo? The reason yep. that happened <laughs> is because of the success of this weird sort of hybrid comic genre of films. So I think Westlake probably wrote this because he could sell it possibly as a film, because that was the period. It, it lasted a long time, mid-60s through the uh, late 70s into the 80s. And we actually still have sort of remnants of it with, um, remember this, there was a scary movie series? Where they, mm-hmm. it was a parody of whatever movie had come out that, whatever movies Scream. had come out that yeah. year, right? Scream. Well, Scream and various other horror things. Yeah. yeah. Well, but even Scream is a little meta, but like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there would be, uh, I know what you did last summer and the four other horror movies that everybody had heard of. And then they just take that plot and they did this for all sorts of genres. And generally they're actually okay. The problem is, is it's, it's kind of like an infection. <laughs> It spreads wildly, and then we sort of get burnt out on it. But there was a similar genre where you have like a cast of of uh, famous actors who come in to a disaster movie, like The Towering Inferno, or mm-hmm. and I think the start of that Airport. was Airport. Yes, and you know how many sequels there were to Airport? Airport. I, Airport I got a handful of fingers. That, that's right. <laughs> And airport, yeah, 1975, 1977, and airport 1980. And then what do we get? The masterpiece that is airplane, (laughs) (laughs) which is uh, making fun of these previous movies, right? Um, so it, it can be overdone. And I'm so glad that Donald Westlake didn't write 10 of these because it, and he has written other ones. Trish, you back me up on this, but, um, there are at least a couple other novels that have the same big cast um in, yeah and i i would say even when he's doing a serious version i i like them way less than i like the small cast uh oh, books on, he does. Um, imdb i see a line for under westlake's page the gods must be daring novel dancing aztecs oh. so apparently it was made into a movie in 97 mm, wow it was that's surprising looking it up gods must be daring um, um, I also so, have. Um, I'd like to say, yeah, even if Westlake was inspired by these cameo movies or trying to sell one himself, mm. um, it's got I, an Oscar. In I it. just think this is, you know, a wonderful uh, assemblage. You know, I love all the 
crazy twisting plot threads. I, I um, just think it's really amusing, all the sidelights and character things. I am a little disappointed by the leaning on stereotypes. And I don't know if Westlake himself is bigoted or if he's just portraying bigoted characters, but I didn't like, you know, using N-words and other ethnic slurs several times. But if you can set that aside, uh, it's just a, an enormously fun book. And there's nothing wrong with just writing a light, fun book. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Trish, that the, the, the ethnic stereotypes and the slurs made me cringe every time they came up. I mean, the characters themselves don't, descend into stereotypes which is for the most part which is good but the language does and every time it's just how it was up, back then right i but but still i can still criticize it for a listener today should know that this they're going to get this and that we should do better now yes yeah. i know so but I, but, but, <laughs> we but, live but, in but, our times not their times at least, at least all the african-americans in harlem don't act don't act in oh oh let's let's talk about that a bit because he's doing something very special there that i i'm not sure everybody would have caught although scott edits reading short and deep so maybe he he caught it Mm -hmm. um uh in the parade of uh, truck beds going by with marching bands and that was hilarious celebrities yeah it's very filmic right um we get a a couple of chapterlets uh from the point of view of two kids watching the uh the parade Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys recognize the the writing style format there? No. Well, um, he's, he he writes it in um, what do you call in in dialect? You know, yep. he's he's writing as people would have pronounced it. Um, yep. At least in his view, it's uh, it's the Br'er Rabbit stories uh, by Joel Chandler Harris. Oh. So the wonderful Tar Baby and how Rabbit was too sharp for Mister Fox. Um, it's, it's Uncle Remus, right? So he's, he's got the, he actually had some of the exact words like, um, uh, Brefrox, he they low. <laughs> like it's phonetically written. So you, you're, you can see how it's supposed to be pronounced. Um, I think, uh, the narrator, uh, Brian Hall, 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 did a very good job with all of the, there's almost no, no difficulties in his reading. I think there was one word mispronounced in the whole book. But uh, that sort of like dynamism that you you usually that's why I'm saying it's kind of self indulgent because he did everything in this book he did everything he wanted right no restrictions I'm going all out zany and I I really enjoyed it but I'm like oh this is this is never going to be my favorite Westlake novel because it it is so so wide so broad <laughs> but that that like that those that scene is terrific but i think hanging out with pedro is yeah it's a book by itself poor poor, poor pedro poor. <laughs> he gets exactly what he wants <laughs> well, and so does felicity which this is hilarious i mean when they break into steel statue she thinks he's gonna be Ravish, basically, and she's like almost like disappointed. It's like, oh shoot! It's like, but then when she finds Pedro, it's like, and, then, and at the end when Pedro's trying to leave, like, Felicity pulls him back in the room. It's like, whoops! Felicity got it's exactly charming. How many people in this book end up happy even if they don't get the statue? If, uh, yeah, know. and I think that might be part of uh, what it's at least how he framed it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants something. <laughs> 
And sometimes mm-hmm. people find yeah. it. And sometimes they get it. Yeah. And uh, if you think about the end of a movie like The Cannonball Run, <laughs> what happens? There's only one winner, and it isn't any of the viewpoint characters you care about, right? But that's okay, because there's Cannonball Run 2 coming up, and they all had fun in the race, right? And that that idea of of um, it's all in the journey, it's it's heartwarming. It's why that episode of Deep Space Nine, the best one, is about a baseball game between <laughs> between the, a Vulcan, a crew of Vulcans, and uh, the Deep Space Nine ragamuffins, right? That is a really good episode of DS Nine. Yeah. And the reason it's so good is because it's so heartwarming, right? Um, the captain's taking it too seriously. A nog uh, saves the day by bunting, and they don't win. <laughs> Right. They declare victory. They declare victory, <laughs> indeed. And, uh, of course, that is all that we require of them. Some score on the scoreboard, not important. They can go back to Quarks and have a Rectogeno and uh, enjoy their muscles being sore from all that uh, running around the bases and stuff. It's great. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, yeah, this is, um, terrific, but I have a, I have a, a realization I had of like, this plot seems slightly familiar. And then I was thinking about the setup. Um, and I know, uh, Trish, it sounds like you've read a lot of Westlake. Like I have, mm-hmm. um, there is, uh, I think the fugitive pr- uh, pigeon has the same, uh, plot as, you know, well, everybody. I mean, the Maltese Falcon has, has, uh, yeah, but this is set in after it. I mean, it's, it's not an, a, an original idea no. it just develops it really well. No, but what I mean, like, is it's set in New York. It has the same sort of, se- like, I think it has the same setup. I, there's a great website called the uh, Donald Westlake Review, I think it's called. Or maybe it's just the Westlake. Yeah, Westlake Review. It's a blog. And there's a massive uh, review of it there, and it talks about some of the other other novels um, that, you know, it's compared to. Um, but... Uh, what I noticed was, um, actually there's a, I should point out that there's a Richard Stark novel that, uh, I think it's book four in the series called The Mourner, which is also about ch- trying to find a statue. Um, uh, I think it's a European idol or something, but it doesn't, uh, you know, it's just, it's just done seriously. Uh, but what I realized, uh, uh, probably about a third of the way into the book, is that this is actually uh, how how Westlake often does something? You know, in an interview or something, he'll talk about how how he created Dortmunder. Um, Dortmunder was a reaction to him his own writing of a Richard Stark novel. So what he did, yeah, he he had Parker escaping from the job. You know, they just robbed a bank or whatever, and uh, and then he has a a tire go out. And he's on the side of the road <laughs> trying to jack up the car as the cops go by, right? And it turned into like a, a comedic scene instead of a, uh, you know, threatening and menacing scene. Uh, you, if you derail your, your hard boiled protagonist, <laughs> it turns it into a comedy. So right. all of the Dortmunder books are like cozy versions of very, very cozy versions of, of, uh, Westlake Stark plots, which are generally more, and he has this sort of tension between, between those two. So even in this, uh, going back to Paul's poll, 
Um, even in the, uh, the Richard Stark series, there's four books that are side series that are, uh, comedic, more comedic because they're told from, uh, an actor's point of view, one of his sidekick, uh, heisters. Um, and those, uh, those are like, they're much, they're the same kind of story, heisting stories, but they're lighter because the character is lighter. But, mm-hmm. uh, but they're not exactly the same as Dortmunder, which is, it's, it's, he's, he's a lot more like our, our character in this book who has a criminal job at the airport. <laughs> he just right, says, but it's still basically, a, you know, nice enough guy. Oh, yeah. He's a wonderful guy. <laughs> uh, you want your, he's your, just a crook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As uh, so many, so many characters in his books are. Um, everybody's a, a criminal of some kind in the, these books, pretty much. Only the eagle or the hawk gets away with it. But, um, I realized that this is how he creates, you know, so, um, there's so much meta writing stuff in here. But one of the things is as a, a professional writer, a guy who doesn't work uh, at a regular job or, you know, as a librarian or whatever side job he does in addition to being a writer, he's always looking for ideas. And, um, most years he has multiple books come out, I think. For this year, it was only this book, but uh, on the Westlake Review, they pointed out that that hadn't happened since 1964, that there was only one Westlake novel to come out. So mm-hmm. when he, he hits on an idea, it's usually based on something, his own life experience, you know, spending time in a per- particular place. But I started noticing that the way they figure out how the Aztecs are genuine or not uh, is by smashing them. <laughs> so we have a we have a destruction. We have a scene where you know somebody's in their house. Uh, somebody comes up and grabs the statue out of their hand. They fight over it, and then uh, a leg breaks off, and the guy looks at us. Oh, okay, and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, can it you? It's funny how many scenes there are in the book of suddenly the action stops and someone runs away. It's, right. It's, it's, it's like all these little anticlimaxes. That's right. <laughs> and I realized that that is um, a Sherlock Holmes story. How so? There's a famous one. Oh, well, one of the many uh, 53 it's Sherlock Holmes stories. Um, it's called The Adventure of the Six Napoleons. You guys remember I this read one? That one? No, oh, it's read it's it's funny, um, and it works the same way. Somebody is trying to uh, destroy a bunch of Napoleon statues, it seems. Um, but actually, it was the same idea. They were imported into the country, perhaps for oh yes drugs, mm-hmm. or in this case, a diamond or whatever it is. And Sherlock Holmes's job is to f- try and explain the strange circumstances that brought about these events. And that's what happens throughout this book, right? <laughs> it's somebody just living their life. And then uh, of that council of the people who are trying to get a squash court for a certain park, right? <laughs> congratulating themselves. And all of these, these scenes happen in order to set up this, this feeling that we get of bewilderment. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's even on the Westlake uh, website, the official one. Um, I believe, I think it's a quote goes something like, I believe my subject is bewilderment, <laughs> which is a weird subject to be, you know, that, that to be your life philosophy. 
but mm -hmm. he is bewildered by reality, right? He says, that's weird. <laughs> it's like, why would that happen? <laughs> and then he back backdates it to explain how it could have possibly be that all these people are running around doing all these things. And he sets it up so well, right? These, uh, was there 16 dancing Aztecs? Right. 16, yep. yes. Right. And, and we're watching all these people just on the original cover, right? Walking around, running around, trying to do these strange, uh, mythical, uh, un, what's it? In, in, indescribable. No, it's un, ununderstandable. Yeah. Like, why are they moving like that? <laughs> and the reason is they have a reason. Right. It's deep down underneath. If you, if you knew the truth, like Sherlock Holmes, you would understand everything makes sense. <laughs> why is, why is this airport, uh, airplane being hijacked? Right. Is it a political move? No. <laughs> why, why is it going that to get paid? <laughs> why, why, why do they, uh, pretend that they are getting heisted by an ATV from Americans? Um, notice that again, Westlake is very careful. Um, he actually, one nonfiction book he wrote, I think it's only one, was on, uh, British, uh, coup in a former British colony in, hmm. uh, Antigua, Antigua. Um, and so we get a fictional South American country here, right? Right. Because I don't believe I've read any of his nonfiction. He hasn't written that much, just, you know, a few essays and, and that, uh, that one book, but he gets intrigued by a subject mm -hmm. and usually puts it into fiction. But it, you know, there's another one I want to read. Uh, I wonder if you've read it, Trish. It's called uh, Kahawe or something like that. It's about coffee in Uganda. No, no. Okay. It sounds like a, it sounds like a com so. no. comic train heist book. Um, again, it's not in any of his series. So, um, Kahawa, Kahawe, something like that. It's the Ugandan word for coffee or something. And it's a coffee train heist book of some kind. Mm -hmm. I've not read it, so uh, I can't say anymore. But I um, think I would remember if I had read a book by him that was set <laughs> in Uganda. Because yeah. almost all of them are set in New York. Yes, uh, or if they're not, right, they're right, somewhere in the East Coast. It's like the last last book we did for West, like that was set in New York, I remarked how he really had a sense of place and feel for New York, including oh, Staten yeah. Island. I loved his mm -hmm. metaphor here about how New York, how Manhattan's like the front yard and right. Staten Island's the backyard, and Long Island is way is is the garage where you stick stuff. It's like he has a he's a real love of New York, and as an expat New Yorker, that's another reason why I love this book because it feels like a, such a New York book. Everyone, especially for for the time of the seventies, where I was I was like I was not even. I was in my single digits, but still years of age, but still like that sort of like hustling, almost gritty feel to everyone's trying to make it in New York. This is the era, remember, when New York was going to go bankrupt and the uh, president Ford would do the bailouts. So it's got, it's got, it's got that sort of like, you gotta hold on with all your might, with your fingers on the fingernail of the ledge. And so everybody running for these, for this real Aztec statue in New York, it feels real because yeah, that was kind of the times and the place. And so, right. but instead of crime, we get we get it as a comedy. 
Right. Well, there are so, so many references to, you know, New York in this book that are only New York. I mean, I was uh, uh, really amused when he was talking about, um, oh, the uh, impossibility of driving around and stuff. And he talks about how, you know, there could have they could just knock everything down and build eight <laughs> super highways like Robert Moses wanted Moses, to do. Exactly. Right. And I mean, uh, you know, first time I read the book a couple, you know, decades ago or whenever it was, uh, I had no idea who Robert Moses was, but there were so many names in the book that, you know, it just flew, flew right past me. Now I know about <laughs> about his uh, uh, deliberate changing of the landscape in New York uh, in order to uh, keep certain ethnic groups ghettoized. And, you know, it's just fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, the little sidelights that, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Westlake, you know, knew his, his city or at least parts of it so well. And so, yeah, yeah, you, you really get a wonderful sense of place in his books that you don't get from a lot of other authors. And yet they're still building JFK even to this day. You have He's, to think about how how his his job is, right? He his job is to go out in the city and observe and say, "Wow." <laughs> because uh, when we we get the the description of let's go back to New York, uh the two travelers who are headed to California, right? Which is a great sequence, could have been a book in itself. Um when they're talking on the drive back about places to go in New York, or maybe it's in the coffee shop or whatever, um, visiting, you know, looking out, if you go back and you go up the escalator here, you get a different view, right? These are all real things, right? These are all amazing ex experiences that you can have. They're not him making stuff up. It's him observing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the, that's the real treasure of Westlake is because, it, it, you're saying like he knows the city. I, I have a feeling he knows the city better than pretty much anybody. Because if, even if you're like a sanitation worker and you have a big route, right? You're, uh, he makes the point seeing it at different times of day makes a huge difference, right? Going to the park on the weekend is way different than going to the park on a weekday. Going right. to, going to uh, the beach in the winter is way different <laughs> than going to the beach in the summer. And all of these massive corners, what was, I think the word he was in, even uses like the billion corners of New York, right? You think about how many buildings there are, there's a lot of buildings, mm -hmm. but how many nooks <laughs> are there? How many nooks and crannies? Right. How many, how many uh, places for pigeons to poop on? <laughs> Little spots that need, need pooping on by various pigeons. A lot, <laughs> a whole lot. And seeing it that way, it, it is, it's absolute treasure, right? It absolutely, it's treasure. And I can't imagine, um, it not being seen as treasure if you're an archaeologist looking or a historian trying to look back at a period of time in the mid 1970s and understand what it viscerally felt like to be in these places. Um, I wanted to point out, uh, something, uh, see if Scott noticed, um, you remember the the father in um, in the Westlake? Uh, somebody owes me money. Yeah, right. He was always um, working on the insurance papers. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, the characters, uh, like 
I feel like, and I'm sure Trish is back me up on this. I feel like if you set me down with a stack of six or 10 novels and gave me three to four pages, I could hundred percent guarantee I knew it was written by Westlake. <laughs> you know, like you give me 20 yeah, books yeah. and you say, which one of these was written by Westlake? There's only one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would find it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. of characterization. Uh, of the way he, <laughs> there's a scene in here where, um, we're seeing, uh, one of these bewilderment scenes from the, uh, woman's point of view. And she says, uh, or she thinks, um, he must be, hey, he must be a private, uh, private eye. And then the next line yes. is the private eye said, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> He's not a private eye, but the narrator goes with, this sort of weird glomming onto whatever point of view is available and funny, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is absolutely unique. And in, in this case, the father, right? Um, uh, the fa- the one father who's mentioned in the book, the mom is, she smells like a tomato. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> and the father's always looking for hobbies. He's at the park with his, um, handmade, uh, kite. <laughs> right, <laughs> and they right. get a phone call. The kite's on fire. On fire. <laughs> That's right. And then, yeah. And then the next time we see him, uh, he's got a BB gun. (laughs) 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 And I was thinking about how bizarrely funny that is because no adult man (laughs) in the entire history of the universe would have a character like the one that Westlake is setting up. But Mm -hmm. I buy it 100%. (laughs) Because it's not, it's not, it's, it's uh, almost like magic realism, you know? It's like so ridiculous, but so beautiful. You can't, you can't say no to it, even though you're supposed to know it does impossible. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Sorry, Scott. Oh, please go ahead. I said before that uh, the book is charming, and I think part of that is the wry affection that he holds mm. most of the characters in. It's just very endearing. He has a lot of wacky, zany people. Um, and yeah, he's making fun of them, but gentle fun, you know, and you end up liking most of the people, um, and they're just fun to watch. So, uh this is going to sound crazy, but it reminds me a little bit of uh, Austin in the Rye, you know, looking at what, Jane Austen. what crazy people I see you. Yeah. do, you know. And no, yeah, course, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she didn't write about crime. <laughs> but, uh, no, 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 but but but, but I, think, I think you have something good there, Trish, with the with the affection he has for all of these characters from from. So from Pedro in South America, all all the way all the way to Felicity to Jerry Jerry especially because he's because at one point I mean it's like the chapter he start he's what is called the hero so he's like okay so <laughs> that's now right. we know who Wesley like really likes but he likes them all in, mm-hmm. in their all different, he's, different ways that I mean, uh, hero is in uh, ironic quotation marks right <laughs> because, I, didn't, I didn't see the text no no I'm just saying I, I haven't seen it either but that's what I'm saying is like. When he says, you know, the omniscient point of view, <laughs> it's yeah. not from the omniscient yeah. and, point and, of view. And, and, that, <laughs> and that hawk watching the scene where they're fighting over the statue in the field, that's that's gold. Yes. Yeah. And then the hawk and, and, and it goes flying in the air and goes smashing and the hawk goes, oh, bugger that and just flies off. It's mm-hmm. like, and, and all, I, mean, I mean, 
and because at one point they list out how all the different statues got broken, like broken, broken. Right, thing. right. Like it's it's Finger like snaps off. It it, it 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 reminds me of all the all the people who have hurt, been hurt in so many ways at the end of it's a mad 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 world and mm-hmm. all the different catalog of injuries to this poor little statue and what happens at the end? It's Wally who had done the switch and he doesn't have to leave his mom yet, but he can't have wherever he wants because he has a million dollars statue and nobody knows yeah that's yeah. a just what a twist at the ending um that you know everybody nobody can figure out what had happened and he had done you know that switch like a uh, hundred hundred fifty pages earlier mm-hmm. in the book <laughs> yeah. just nobody realized it yeah, and yeah, all he does you know he doesn't change his lifestyle he just hides it away in his closet and i kind of believe he's never <laughs> going to use it, it unless it's his yeah, you're right trish <laughs> because, because when leslie tells us oh they've made a mistake it's the wrong statue i was thinking like who where's the right one i didn't even <laughs> think of wally till well, wow, but then, 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 when we get the revelation, like, oh, I see what you did, and see, and Jesse, Jesse said this is slight, but that's Wesley showing this master of plotting and putting oh, out things you don't realize at the time. Yes, it's in a mm-hmm. slight, quote, quote, slight comic novel, but it shows his skill and craft. Right, even in that in this book, he's at the height of his powers. Because you don't see what happened in the house, you you just you know see the guy throwing Wally throwing the statue out the window, but um, uh, so you think you know what's happening, but actually Wally in telling um uh uh Jerry what happened, he's an unreliable narrator, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) he did the crime right then or the. the deed. <laughs> it's all a crime. <laughs> uh, apparently, there was... Uh, I was reading that Westlake Review, and uh, whoever's running that um, is very expert. Um, he said... Um, I'm assuming it's a he. Um, he said that the uh, there was a, another character who was taken out of the book, um, and that was an FBI agent who who had been fired years ago, but who thought he was just under really, really deep cover. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's actually, uh, you know, if you think about that role, um, if you watch a movie like Cannonball Run, there's like a, some cop who's trying to stop the race, right? Throw a monkey wrench in. And their job is to just sort of slow things down or create scenes um, and we have this often in, in, in movies where there's like a, uh, I don't know, Robert Redford is a, is a thief trying to rob, that's a, that's actually a movie, The Hot Rock. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we're yeah. trying to rob, uh, mm-hmm. some stone from South America or whatever. And then they have, uh, Sidney Poitier <laughs> as the FBI agent who's trying to stop him. And their job is just to sort of get in the way. Um, there's so much going on in this book that, like, if you added th- another thread through it, it would just g- get even bigger. And that's actually, like, uh, it's. I'm not saying it's it's bad. I'm just saying it's like it is what it is. It's terrific at what it does. But I'm so glad Westlake doesn't do this every time because it has all the characterization. It has all of the things that we love, and it is absolutely zany. And I, I guess I got exactly what I expected, given that it's a, you know, if you look at that cover, it's a bunch of people mm-hmm. acting weird, trying to 
chase after one little gold statue, but they don't know which one it is. Um, it's, it's amazing to have that genre that we normally think of as a filmic only genre translated into a book because those typically those movies like Mad Mad World, um, you know, Cannonball Run, they're so filmic to begin with. They don't start as, as books and then get translated into films. It's the other way around. This is something that's difficult to do in a book is balance all of these things. And honestly, if it wasn't Westlake, I would not be able to read this book because it's only the power of his amazing characterization that allows me to have any interest in what the 40 characters who are going. <laughs> I, 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 I remember them from scene to scene because they're distinct rather than because, right. you know, they're, they're, they have a name. That's amazing. So it, it I, I see it as him. It's kind of like him showing off. Like, can I do this? It's a project. <laughs> it's like, it's not, it's not designed to be a, um, just another book. It's designed to be like, is it possible to have all these things going? And the answer is yes. Right. That's the conclusion he comes to. That's pretty impressive. You yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't place it in the top five books of Westlake's, would you? Trish? Let's see. I love the entire Dortmunder series. Um, <laughs> and that's like 20 books and long. The, the Hot least. Rock is number right. one in that series. Yeah. Um, Yes, the hot rock is first, and then bank shot is also really excellent. Um, uh, and but so many of them are so much fun. Uh, as for the standalone books, uh, I would say this uh, and smoke and the spy in the ointment are probably my favorites. Oh, he's got and spy in the ointment is sort of an answer to the Evan Tanner books mm. in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, by Lawrence Block. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. He is absolutely in dialogue with other authors at all times. Oh yeah. Right. Um. In fact, I'm. If I had had the text of this handy, I, I and I, I think it's mentioned in this giant review uh, of the book. Um, that there are other. There's evidence of. Uh, I'll just read this section here. Um. Uh, this is on the WestlakeReview.wordpress.com. Um, but he refers to quite a few other past comic novels as well. There's a moment where the same character walks into the same midtown office building where Art Dodge's greeting card company, those uh, in the book called Those Wonderful Folks from Too Much, which is a great book, really funny. And also Too Much is also a movie starring Melanie Griffith and, uh, uh, Spanish guy. Um, <laughs> Zorro, who's Zorro? Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas and Mel- Melanie Griffith in a Donald Westlake uh, movie. <laughs> um, and then the VS Goth Cab Company from Somebody Owes Me Money is in there as well. You I bet you didn't even notice that, Scott. Mm, I didn't. So it's set in the same universe right? yeah. <laughs> as these there two other go. books, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but oh. there's so much going on, you wouldn't even know. The yeah, the movie sure. that's that that was based on this book is a French movie, which is why I've yes. never heard of it. There's actually quite a few French um, Westlake movies. He's kind of like Edgar Allan Poe. They love him over there. <laughs> um, there's a movie called Ordo, which is uh, based on a. It's kind of a sailor 
uh, sex movie um, based on a a Westlake short. And they also did, they did their own version of a uh, unauthorized uh, version of a Westlake or Stark uh, Parker novel, which is pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. He's like, uh, th- apparently I'm big in France. They're st- stealing my novels. <laughs> I'm making movies about it. So, I think uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm up for the next Westlake book, no matter uh, which one you pick, Trish. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's in a series, you know, like uh, uh, Drowned Hopes, it's great. Wow. Drowned Drowned Hopes is is his retelling of. Uh, of um <laughs> an HP Lovecraft story. Kinda, not really. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> well, you know, um It is a really fun <laughs> book. Um if you want a book with a slight science fictional element, uh we could read Smoke. I've um, read Smoke. I've read Smoke. Uh, and I, right. in fact I might have done a podcast on it. It's it, uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of hard. but it's a it's a fun book. It's also quite long compared to most of his stuff, but that one's his modern updating combining uh, a th- uh, burglar with with the Invisible Man story. It's very funny. But I, I kind of did a show on it with uh, Luke. We did um, okay. Smoke oh. and, and the Invisible Man and uh, all, all, basically talking about all... On his, on his podcast. Uh, no, I think it's I think it's called Invisible Men. Invisible Men? Yeah, I think okay. that's the... It was a topic episode, so we read two mm. books. Oh. Um, um, if you'll supply a link, I'd love to listen to that. Oh, sometime. yeah, sure. It's. I'm afraid it's a little hard to find. <laughs> wow. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> the internet is a wild and woolly place. <laughs> and it's old, right? It used to be so young. You could go to the web and find everything. Now... You know, if it's not there, it's somewhere hidden on archive.org. You'll never find it. Way back machine. Mm-hmm. It's even been archived. It's not everything gets archived. Well, audio doesn't. That's right. That's the scary part. So you, you have the HTML from some old website, but you won't have all the podcast files. Somebody needs to do that. And unfortunately, I don't have the budget. <laughs> I'd love to. But, but man, there's so so many things are like getting ground out of the internet. It's crazy, and, and we never anticipated that, right? No, we we expect you guys just to have endless amounts of space and time and have everything forever. And turns out forever is not as long as we thought it was. <laughs> um, archive.org needs to have mass massive more funding. I don't know who's going to do it. It's not going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I'm happy to pick a new Westlake uh, with you. We're going to have to find a spot on the schedule for it. I will um, also point out, um, and there's another uh, Westlake. You, I don't know if you probably read this one, Trish. It's a short story called uh, Travelers Far and We. Um, no. it's, a, it's from 1960. I, I did it for a reading short and deep. It's a really weird story. It's It's... It's kind of Westlake-like in the sense that it's a comedy, uh, but it's also quite serious and sad. And basically what it is is there's two guys in a car, and they're driving around New York, and they have a route, um, and 
we don't really get to see much of their life. They go through a drive-through or uh, not a drive-through, one of those drive-ups where they serve you at car hops, serve you at the window. Um, and they seem to like live in the car. They defecate it in like the back seat. Um, and they cash checks at the, at the bank and that's their life. And the point of the story is basically this explains all the traffic in New York. <laughs> <laughs> is that there are people driving around whose job it is just to make the traffic thicker. <laughs> that is ridiculous. It's like, it is absolutely ridiculous, but the way he, he tells a story, it's not a comedy. It's, it's comedic, but it, not a comedy it's like, like I don't know why we're doing this. This job sucks, <laughs> but the pay is great. <laughs> and then they got, almost got in trouble for leaving too high a tip. Because that'll give away the game, right? Like, because the, the money just piles up and piles up. And it's, it's very, um, it's something that's really easy to miss in Westlake is that he's super philosophical. Cause he's, again, he's not working the regular day job. He's surprised that he is a professional author. He wanted to be one, but he's surprised about it. And he's so. Surprised that he managed it. Um, I'm not sure that that's true because, you know, he worked hard to do it, right? He had to skip yeah, out of yeah, science but, fiction. Yeah but, yeah, but still, I mean, I mean, let, let, let's, um, I'm, 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 a lot of the characters blur in my mind. So the guy that runs the fake publishing agency, right. what does he really want to do? He wants, he wants to write a book of his own mm-hmm. and that finally happens because the idiots that invade his office start reading the manuscript and he starts realizing, oh, it's maybe a fuck book. Here. It's a fuck book. And, and they they, book they read a little bit. That's popular. Well, uh, Westlake wrote those. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yes. I mean, a lot of them. I, I, I mean, I kind of wish he wrote more science fiction because we did that one story, The Risk of Profession. I liked that one a lot. He, he wanted to write more, but... He couldn't. Yeah, market's not there. No, I'm, I mean the, the market's not there. Then the market's not there now, as we discussed. Like Indeed, making, a, making making a living as a professional science fiction writer. I don't know. I know a lot of people in science fiction, as Trish can attest. I don't know yes. a lot of people who can make that living. They all have day jobs. Yeah, I think I think mm-hmm. what's happening is that people are going to be less and less reliant on getting that publisher right i mean you see it in this book with that with that publishing scam right that's the uh, and, I, so and I, many... kept, I kept thinking of my friend victoria stress and writers beware which is a science fiction organization that sniffs out publishing scams i thought victoria would be on this guy's ass like white on rice for what he's doing these people like, but the where there where there's out. a demand to be an author there is going to be people who are going to take advantage of that that's um, that's sort of the universal right the uh, Westlake, <laughs> he's actually, in all these comic crime capers that he's writing, he's actually talking about himself, right? I can't believe they let me get away with this. He writes a book and then it sells. Crazy. <laughs> they're, they're all getting scammed. I don't know anything. <laughs> and that's amazing because he does know something. That's he a, is giving a, value like for money. Wonder. It's like a wonder that he actually manages to do this. Yes, be, uh, absolute bewilderment, right? And I, I kind of, I never understood that phrase on his website. You know, I believe my subject was his bewilderment, but I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> why is that his tagline? 
because I, I didn't feel it, but I, I see it now. I see what he's trying to say is, is that it's unbelievable what people will trick themselves into doing, right? The, the marriage in, in this book, uh, <laughs> we didn't even talk about Which one. The husband, uh, he keeps, he gets calmer and calmer the more they fight and he keeps insinuating that she's having sex with all the black men. <laughs> and then he and he likes being a cuckold. That was a very strange sequence. But seeing it from his point of view, like he's he he's like he's trying to fight with her, and and liking to be a cuckold is part of that personality where he 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 actually doesn't like it. But his way of lashing out at her is to pretend that he does, and that's so screwed up. <laughs> So screwed up. When a pass actually happens, things really go to the pot. But actually, finally, uh, looks like it might actually kind of happen. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's all over that little Oscar, right? The other Oscar, it's called. The other, the other Oscar. Right. And eventually, Westlake gets his own Oscar. Right. For uh, mm-hmm. for the Jim Thompson movie, The Grifters. Screenplay. Oh, yeah. Best screenplay. You're right. You're absolutely right. Best absolutely adapted right. screenplay. Um, Wait, not no, worth chasing. And, and, and Tango, weren't we supposed to do that novel at some point? Uh, I'd be up for it, but um, yeah, I've got a couple of Jim Thompsons on the list. Um, I think the one that um is there is not that one. It's uh, the Killer Inside Me. Somewhere on the list there. I mean, I'm looking for an excuse to rewatch the Grifters, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, 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 you left, but I it's mean, on. It's on there. Yeah. One of the joys. One of the joys of this podcast is not only getting to read books I normally wouldn't have actually ever had a chance to pick up, like say the Destiny Assets, but also the older rereads. Like when I introduce you guys, like Paul Anderson, mm-hmm. or or books that we all decide, like Larry, like we're gonna reread this. This podcast is an excuse for me to reread stuff, which I don't get to do much because I have so much stuff to read in general that reread. <laughs> it's hard to schedule a reread into that spontaneously. This is unless I'm doing it for the something. secret, like, um, Paul. This is the secret of what podcasts are for. It's just an excuse <laughs> to get together and talk about what you want to talk about. Well, 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 like we were talking off air before about the Curse of Chaline. The reason why I'm rereading it is because I'm doing it for conventions, like. There's my excuse to actually reread Charlie again. Everybody Otherwise, needs a I good excuse. Wouldn't. I, I was probably mm-hmm. never squeezing it like, oh, I have more books to read. Mm-hmm. I have all this old, old, all this new stuff. Like, I, I can't go back to the old stuff. But you know, give give me like, oh, we want you want we want you to be on a convention panel about like, okay, we want. I don't have time to reread Narrated Living. Oh, let's do it for a podcast. Okay, I can do that. Then. <laughs> it's allowable as I long hear as it's yeah. homework. It's, Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's for sure. That's a very twisted yeah. way of putting it, Twish, but it's true. Absolutely. It's allowable if it's homework. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Homework, Last though. year, uh, throughout 2020, I had a very hard time reading new fiction. I just, I don't know something about everything that was going on put a mental block on me and other than listening to short stories on podcasts on the various science fiction and fantasy anthology magazine podcasts that I listen to almost all of the new books that I read last year were assignments for podcasts there you go Mm -hmm. 
So, and and uh, you actually, also narrated last year. Last week, I finally read and finished and turned back in three long overdue library books. So I'm hmm. hoping I'm done with that now and I'll be able to tackle all the Hugo reading. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it helps to have um, the homework yeah. and it sometimes takes me out of what I would normally have read. So that's a good thing. Yeah, me too. Ditto to all that. Yeah, but I do a lot of reading that I wouldn't normally do, and it's almost always rewarding. How many podcasts mm-hmm. have you gotten going, Scott? <laughs> uh, just the two. <laughs> just the two. <laughs> and, and the one you're on today? So that, that, that is two read-alongs per month. <laughs> Those two podcasts total. And then, um, you know, SFF Audio now and then adds mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much and it. Then and then don't don't forget your YouTube. Yeah, but that, yeah, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't count. Sometimes that adds stuff. You know, it, it does, but it's all fun. It's all in good fun. Nice. Yep. I'm going to send uh, Trish the link. It looks like it was done as a, uh, a Luke show. I, I assume I'm on that one. Yeah. You think you uh-huh. uh, Maybe I did a post about it. I don't know. So Yeah. Oh, 2010. So only 10 maybe, years ago. I'm, maybe I'm just bad at searching your site. No, no, that it's, it, I, it was I not do on. Do a search for something and it throws up, you know, 30 references to it. Of course. <laughs> I get confused. <laughs> I get it. Get me on the subject of how internet searches have degraded over the last few years to that. That's that even Google, Google, man. So bad. Yeah. Or, 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 or Amazon. I look for an author's book and where do I get the the half of the first page is full of ads for other authors, yep. other mm-hmm. books. And not actually what I'm looking for at all. It's like I'm not searching for this. <laughs> Why are you giving me this? I am not interested in Scarlet Verino. I want I want Anna Smith's books. Like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Just trying to steal your money, Paul. That's why you need to use an ad blocker. But 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 ad blockers don't work for for searches. I mean, they, they, uh, yeah, they, they may do. stop pop ups, but they're not going to. No, no, they 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 block everything pretty much. Uh, there are some small exceptions, but uh, there are issues with ad blockers, but they they're pretty good. I've got one plugged into my Firefox. No, Firefox has problems, but they're also just like ad blocker uh, browsers that are built. From the ground up to block ads, you can mm-hmm. like uh, there's one called Brave, um, which I've started to use, and I've got one on my phone that blocks everything, which is very nice because they're fucking everywhere. Even uh, the ones on my website, I don't want them there, but getting them out is going to be a hell of a time. What can we do? I don't know. What Just can, do more podcasts. What can, we, what can we do? We can we can try to steal a statue from. <laughs> from South America, and it it, do, it does irk me that these things are called the dancing Aztecs, even in the South American country where the Aztecs were nowhere near. Yeah, I was wondering, like the central w- Andes. Like, what the heck is with that? They even, I mean, so that, Westlake, Westlake is kind of he he knows stuff. So I'm wondering why he did that because picking picking the. Um, yeah, maximum extent of the Aztec Empire. It's pretty small, right? It's mostly southern Mexico. Yeah, it's it's that central plane that we know about, right? So, 
when he puts it in a South American country fictional, um, I think it's almost like on purpose. He's not focused on that part. He's focused on the New York part. It's just an mm-hmm. excuse, right? Well, what yeah, what I, I, research I, 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 did he do his whole life? New York, I suppose. So uh, it's surprising, though how much how much of his stuff is very political. Like even the uh, there's a Stark novel that's set off the coast of Cuba, and uh, just this week, um, Block uh, somebody tweeted a picture. And I I sent it. Uh, to Lawrence Block. Um, uh, Lawrence Block wrote a novel under a pseudonym uh, called Killing Castro, which is about, you know, assassinating <laughs> Castro. Um, it was it was a very political time. It still is. And we don't we, we sometimes don't see that because like looking at this book as a, uh, a, po- a politics book, it is there. Is but he's really good at hiding it. Like he almost doesn't want to focus on it because he knows that that'd be like a lecture. So what does he do instead? He just has fun and then mentions it. It's a kind of weird way to go, right? But it's it's mm-hmm. it's sort of his weird personality. Astounding, weirdly amazing writer. Just very different from most SF writers. Only Larry Niven having his uh, his um, inheritance from you know some rich ancestor allows him to be a an SF author, right? Everybody else is like, yeah, I'd love to be a real full. Time. Robert J. Sawyer was one of the proudest moments of his life. I'm sure it was when he he was able to say, you know, I make my full time living. Yeah, you didn't mention your wife, did you? <laughs> and uh-huh. and uh, uh, you didn't mention the fact that you live in a condo, not a house, right? And you don't have any kids. And all of these things are sacrifices if you want to, you know, not work in the terrible doldrums of the day job where, you know, the economy allows you to make an actual living. And yet, we have hundreds, seeming thousands of writers in Hollywood making very decent livings, writing terrible fucking television shows. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Look, there's just so much money in in TV shows and movies. It's un- unbelievable compared to the, you know, basically complete disinterest in books, which is pretty impressive, right? The, the gap um, between. Sorry, just, uh, just that... Um just going back a couple of threads to Larry Niven, mm-hmm. I was I was uh, amazed a couple of weeks ago when I was listening to a podcast, The History of the 20th Century, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they talked about the Teapot Dome scandal mm-hmm. and uh, it came back to that at the end of the episode and then did a genealogy of what happened to some of the people who made the money and got away with it. And so I was utterly amazed when he connected the threads and got down to Larry Niven. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Yes. Mm. <laughs> but uh, my, my whole thing would be like, think of all those other people in the family who amounted to zero. Mm. 
right? Think of all the billionaire families that are out there. There's billions of them, it seems, right? There's not. There's hundreds of them, thousands of them, perhaps. Um, everybody hates on Elon Musk, and I understand that hate. Um, but he actually took the money that he inherited from his parents and did something he was interested in that's that kind of interesting. He's got some personality defects for sure. <laughs> but it's easy but to focus. Deny that he's done something. That's he 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 he's literally interested in doing interesting things, right? Like putting a car in orbit of the Earth. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's stupid, <laughs> but it's pretty cool. Now, mm-hmm. what about the rest of that family? What are they doing? I guess they're buying another yacht, right? <laughs> Not doing anything of interest. And so it, you know, pooping on Larry Niven for something his ancestor did, I think is a mistake. I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you did. I think the threads are, it's so interesting when you dig into things and see how things are connected. People do. Just this week, uh, Joaquin Boaz said, at least he's honest about it. And it's like, he wrote it in his book. You're quoting him. (laughs) <laughs> right. At least he's honest about it compared to who? Right. So I, I just see that as an attack on, on Larry Nevin. And honestly, you know, there's reasons to attack him, but not that. Not something his ancestor did. What can we do? We can't do anything about that. Leave him, leave him be. Let him, you know, write whatever crappy book he wants to write next. Cause at least he's doing something. Most most people who who uh, get these massive inheritance don't seem to do anything with it. I don't know, and maybe gambling. Where where does all the money go? Drinking, somewhere. They're not they're not putting stuff on the moon. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, stuff on the moon. Man on the moon. <laughs> so I've been think, thinking about it, Jesse. Mm-hmm. And if you do want me to suggest another um, Westlake book for us to do, mm-hmm. uh, I think I would go with um, one of the series books, since you say you don't mind, which I would Westlake. settle on Drowned Hopes. That one is from 1990, so it's pretty much I've got it. smack in the middle. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's um, some things happen in the book that expand uh, the Dortmunder world a little bit. Um, And it's got some really fun characters and moments in it. I, um, that's the one I'm saying is uh, uh, Westlake's um, H.P. Lovecraft one. Which I disagree with, but I still think it's. Yeah, but you don't know which story I'm thinking of, and I can't remember the name of it. It's okay. Uh, maybe there's a okay. Um, I'm trying to there, remember. It's, I I will spoil that there are no uh, you know elder gods making. No, no, there's no elder gods, but there is the flooding of a valley. <laughs> okay. What was the name of that uh, book with Lovecraft? Has a valley going to be flooded? Did, did that happen in the color out of space? It's the color That's out of space. It it's the color out of space. And they yeah. were hoping that that would solve the problem, although I think that, it would just mean a you know destruction of the of earth by magical forest. Have any of you seen the recent movie? No, I have. No. I haven't seen it with with uh, Nicholas Cage. It's it's a thing. 
Uh, that's about, about the way I can describe it. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's Nicolas Cage doing Nicolas Cage. But, I mean, isn't there like also an HP uh, Literary Society drama of it, maybe? Am I uh, yeah, I think so. I wouldn't be surprised. Not literary. Um, historical. Historical, thank you. That show, their their um, HPLHS uh, Voluminous podcast is so good. It really is worth listening to. They're they're, hmm. they're um, it's voluminous. Yeah, it's the letters yeah, of H.P. Lovecraft. Wrote, what is it? Forty thousand letters during his life. Yeah, hundred thousand. I think is the uh, the estimate. Actually, it's it's really crazy how much he wrote to people, and and so and because he's a he's a thoughtful person. Mm. That you know, even his letters to quote unquote little Augie Dareleth. Uh, usually there's something of value there, but when he's writing to somebody about uh, something substantial rather than, you know, how to market your shit to weird tales, um, it, it's super thoughtful. Did you, uh, Trish, did you hear the one, uh, I guess it was last month, uh, with, um, the letter to CL Moore? Yes. Um, I don't know if it was last month, I but I've certainly listened month. Maybe it's the to month one. before. Uh, yeah, they're they're, one, they're monthly. They now. might have done more than one episode on CL Mora. Well, there, I think they have. It, it was near the end of his life, and um, hearing mm-hmm. it, it makes it. That's that's the letter that makes everybody say. That towards the end of his life, he became. Uh, uh, he got the redemption we all want him to have, or something. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't rethinking his racism. Um, yeah, so maybe to some small extent. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's it's powerful, but he doesn't say I was completely wrong to be racist. He doesn't say that. But what he does say is is like um, some pretty impressive, like. Mia culpas on on some of it and mm-hmm. and also his political transformation from like yes. conservative because I I did a tweet like this if this is what a conservative sounds like so, sign me up because he's like um, FDR will his program is a hundred percent like wow he's just total FDR guy <laughs> all right. the way well, he had it's gone crazy. back from looking to his family's past glories of Indeed. once being wealthy to you know realizing what a hand to mouth living he had and that that affects a lot of people's uh, economic philosophy <laughs> uh, absolutely absolutely and and right it, rightly it should it it more people of the uh, elite class need to have that feeling in order to change because, you know, looking down your nose at people, it doesn't make them happy with you. It makes you, them want to attack you. It's, it's really, it's tough, right? Cause he, he thinks he's better than everybody else. And he's got reason to think in some ways he is not in health wise, not in muscles, right? But um, he's also failing at school, right? Can't can't get his shit together to get uh, through high school. Can't and and how? Why is that? There's there are explanations, but not when you're a little kid. You don't understand the ways of the world, and uh, yet he's writing a, a newspaper column on on uh, you know the wonders of astronomy when he was a teenager, but he can't finish high school. Crazy. Crazy stuff, right? Amazing, and so it's like it's like uh, straight from the source 
biography rather than, um, oh, looking backwards, this is how I grew up. No, it's like, wow. And he's not usually talking about himself, right? It's all oblique. So it's not like he's bragging. Mm-hmm. Very, very strange guy. Amazing. Yeah, I do. I do recommend the voluminous uh, podcast because not only do they pick really interesting letters to discuss, but they are really good at putting everything in context. They're pretty uh, damn good. I, I must admit, you know, there are times when I'm like, you guys are just, <laughs> you're just actors, so you don't, <laughs> you didn't like study deep philosophy, and he's right about this. But most of the time, they're they they do their homework, and I'm very they impressed. They definitely do their homework. They have really studied the subject, and I think they have interesting things to say about it. I so. I totally agree. It's it's very and my my main thing is you know most people don't do their goddamn homework. They do <laughs> their homework, and they do it really well, and it's beautifully produced. I mean, mm-hmm. have you? I, I I didn't go to their actual website. I just downloaded the podcast. Their show notes are the most beautiful things you've ever seen. They're like beautiful on the page. It's 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 the way they do their HPLHS products, right? Is is they add so much detail, like for no reason, the filigree. Oh, I, I just I, think I, it's amazing I love how they do their detail. Like like because I bought the uh, CD for. Um Dagon War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. and then in Dreamhaven, which unfortunately is the only SF bookstore left in Minneapolis after the destruction of Uncle Hugo's, I they had this like extra pack, like a newspaper and all these clippings oh, yeah. and things that go with the pot. It's just like, I mean, like artifacts from the show that really brings it to extra life. Check out, then, check out the like, show notes here. It's it's incredible. So they have pictures of most of the. Uh, characters who they mention the actual letters are scanned there's youtube videos of music that's mentioned newspaper clippings and links and it's free <laughs> if they started asking of love. if they started asking for um you know a payment i would pay it i don't want to <laughs> Because I'm not that rich, but so, I would pay so, it because so, it's so good. Do they have a Patreon? I don't think they do. I think they just sell the product, which I um, buy. But no, I'm pretty sure they don't have on on their on their. Uh, or wait, am I thinking? I'm, I think you're thinking of <laughs> HPLHS or no HP Podcraft. They have a Patreon, and they don't do their homework as nearly as well as these guys do. Not that theirs is a comedy show more than anything, but um, you'd be surprised who has Patreons. I mean, I have a Patreon for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, I know, uh, but I'm, I that's what like, I'm saying. I'm person? surprised they don't because it's like if you scroll down and look at an antiquated mummy from the other side. That's the one I was talking about, Trish. The the uh, CL Moore letter. They show the mm-hmm. paintings of uh, Rorick paintings. It's like, wow. And then there's the symbolist art and then a bunch of book covers. And then you see KKK guys and Woolworth buildings. And there's a picture of, uh, what's his name? Houdini. I've never seen show notes this beautiful. <laughs> it's crazy. Like they're, they're more professional than everybody, uh, in, you know, those premier prestige podcasts. And they're doing it on a subject that's really small. 
And they, uh, it's, it's amazing. What a, what a triumph their podcast is. So are we still on this podcast? <laughs> I think we're pretty <laughs> much done. That's, that's the secret of Jesse's show. It's always podcasting. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Sorry, I could not resist the formal reference. No, that's right. I, I <laughs> just had to go for it. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. And what planet are you on? (laughs) (laughs) North Carolina. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Slightly higher orbit than South Carolina. (laughs) Any any locusts anywhere near? Not yet. (laughs) Uh, Paul, uh, Scott, I think I need to send you some uh, RSD stuff. (laughs) Some what? Oh, I'm I'm on it. Okay, good. I've got enough for a few more, so I'll do two today. All right. I did send you uh, on one that was a bad recording on Wednesday, uh, Thursday. Um, I didn't have my recorder working, so it's all Eric there. It's slightly filed name differently, but you'll you'll figure it out. It's one of the ones in your Dropbox, I think. Okay, sounds good. Um, And yeah, I can send you more at some point. Thank you, sir. I've got the other tiger and the three wishes on my desktop here. Excellent. So, so you will have content. I take a week off and everything just, it's hard to catch up. Is that what you went to Oregon and you said, screw this podcast. I'm never editing it again. And then he came back and said, I made sure you had everything you needed. (laughs) That's not, (laughs) and it's all, it's all according to plan. Mm, Good. It's just, there's a lot to do to keep up. Sure is. Yeah. I barely, uh, barely at my apartment. Oh, you know, what's fun guys is I, uh, I ran into a person, you know, that, that, um, I did a my history and podcasting video on BookTube, and uh, somebody's playing with somebody on the who's desk. actually somebody that I know on there saw that for the first time and said, "Oh my gosh, I've been listening to Reading Short and Deep for what? Years. <laughs> Man, <laughs> yeah, weird. So that's always fun. Yeah. Okay. So the the listener that you have uh, contacted us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. Actually, I'm sure. What's that I'm noise? Sure Somebody's like playing with a coin or something on their desk. I am reading the last three pages. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'll allow it. Um, I'll allow it. And uh, I've got I'll a dog it. who's drinking some water right next to me. And I don't hear finished. any lapping, but um, okay. I will. Uh, I will refer uh, to the pre-chat stuff that I. I'm pretty sure. Oh yes, I want to find out. Did you get your results of your poll yet, Paul? Uh, oh, I didn't check your your Paul. Your Paul, Paul. I, I think I think I think it was a mushy middle anyway. Um, oh, let me check. I'm sure you'll find a way to uh, attack yourself with it as a weapon. Whatever. There's polling. My, yeah. I, I I I put an internet poll uh, about series. How do I find it? Well, no, that, well, 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 how you define it? Yeah. No, no. Um, how? No. How do I find it? Because <laughs> you tweet so much, I don't know how far back I need to go. 
Um, okay, so what was so the, the word? Results: 154 votes. Send, send the so link the, if you can. Oh, okay. I will, I will send the. I will send the link. Okay. Thank you. Are multiple SFF novels set in the same world a series by definition? Even with different places? Oh, that's a good question. Jesse says, yes, they are. I think that's how. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, because we had the discussion of Chally. First, first of all, I was surprised that you had read Chally in. Curse of Chally. Oh, oh, okay, Tr- Trish. Oh, that's, Trish, yeah. based on what you know of Jesse, would you have expected Jesse to read The Curse of Chally in? No. <laughs> he did though. That's it. Okay, so, so, so I'm not the only one who's surprised by this. Your mental models of me are far too small. <laughs> Jesse it's encompasses not, I mean, it's not, it's, it's everything not except for music and a couple other. That's small an. Things. This is an interesting question because if you think of gen, the world of general fiction, right? They're all on the same world. That's what I said. <laughs> they're not a series. That's why you never need to read more than one. Uh-huh. That's why I specified FSF. Right, right. Yeah, but that's that's curious. So, yeah. Well, lots of people had all sorts of uh, side opinions about. Yeah, that. and some of them some of them are good, but then other ones are like, no, that's clearly wrong because you haven't thought of this, right? So, uh, the three options are: yes, same world equals same series, or series, right? Um, no, unless continues plot. Well, I'll tell you why that one's wrong. Um, it's pretty obvious. Sherlock Holmes. They're not the same plot. No two Sherlock Holmes stories are the same plot. They're all no, completely but I'm, different plots. I'm not talking plots. about short stories. I'm talking about novels. Uh, they're novels, too. There's four novels in the Sherlock Holmes series. But is that a series or is that just <laughs> the same world? Uh, See, the we, publisher says, I need you to write more of these books because we're going to make so much money. You tell me if that's a series or not. <laughs> yes, it's a series. Are they numbered? Like, does it say you have to read this book in se- first in the series, second in the series? No. But there's so not no unless plot continues is, is clearly wrong in many cases, right? Um, now, something else I, I have a lot of sympathy for. Because it could be a lot of other things, but if it if it's in the same world, is it the same? Yeah, if it's in the same world, is it in the same series? Um, pretty much. I mean, there are exceptions, right? But uh, so, like the way comics do it, if you think about what series are for and stuff, like. Uh, I used to read X-Men and New Mutants. I liked X-Men and New Mutants. And then they try and get me to read uh, West Coast Avengers and just regular Avengers and the Hulk and uh, all the other series that are going by doing a big crossover event like Crisis on Infinite Earths or whatever. And sometimes I fall for it because the plot continues in all of those, right? But are they series? Yes. Now, are they, you know... So, of course, there's some play, there's something else, but it, it isn't dependent wholly on the plot continuing, for sure. Okay. Uh, it, it has to be that way. And if you think about, like, why publishers want them, they want to be able to sell back back issues and promote those back, or not back issues, I guess they're called them. Um, the back, back catalog. Back catalog, right? Yeah. 
Um, I'm thinking about and reprint uh, them. like Heinlein's Future History. Right. So those are not uh, a series, right? Mm-hmm. Because even though they're set in the same world, <laughs> they are they're so the same, distinctly same universe, right. They are so distinctly um, uh, separate that yes, yeah. although you uh, like uh, that's why. I, I'm just basically, I'm totally in favor of saying it's uh, same world, same series. There are exceptions because you, you can read only four Heinlein books and n- not know that any of them are in the same world. And honestly, some of them probably aren't. You know, another wrinkle to this are the, um, the books that have been split that are really one book. Right. Like yeah, Lord, yeah, but, Lord yeah, of the Rings the, or, sure. uh, right, all or clear. Williams. Yeah, yeah, I mean, th- those aren't serious. That's just the book is too big, so the publisher cut it, chopped uh-huh. it, chopped right. it into bits. But, but what what the series mean, right? It means one after the other. So as long as they're not re- released simultaneously, by that definition, you know, if you got two books from the same author, like imagine the regulators and what was that other book <laughs> by Stephen King, uh, Desperation, Desperation, were released on the exact same day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even you can imagine so that, them. Yeah, that, that's an interest. That's just because they're separate worlds. It was like, <laughs> yeah, they're separate worlds with the same cast, right? But they're unrelated otherwise. And now, now, just to mess it up even further, make it an ace double, right? So that <laughs> you don't know which one <laughs> to start with, right? It's not, not like fun. right. Yeah. So definitions. Wow. This is this is um. There's a whole branch of philosophy that went nowhere. Uh, about this, you can ask Bertrand Russell about it. But basically, words uh, do not define reality. Words help describe reality, so we can get totally messed up in thinking that we understand things by just all we need to do is clarify our terms, and that's not actually what's going on because new words emerge to describe phenomena that are previously difficult to describe. Or nuance that is difficult to describe, but it, it's a fun idea. So, looking at um, this is why I like uh, this sort of question is it's like science. You you basically have a whole bunch of bad takes, and that's what science is, right? A whole bunch of people not knowing what's going on and making a guess, and everybody saying no, 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 and other people say, well, wait a second, you got something here, right? And then you're basically you're ironing, you're trying to uh, you, you've got a an elephant's jacket. You don't know that it's an elephant's jacket. It's a giant cloth. And you've got a rough surface over which you're ironing. The ironing board is like, I don't know, a pebble beach. And you're trying to make that as smooth a jacket as possible. But you also don't know that it has all these cuffs and shoulders and whatever. And so you're trying to smooth things out. And the more you push in some directions, the more the the wrinkles pile up. And so that, that's why, like, if you start reading any of these takes, that's why some of them sound good and other ones sound sort of, no, that's wrong. Right? So people talking about the Discworld series, right? Because they're not continued plot. They're just all set in the same quasi-universe, right? Yeah. I, I, it's a good, it was a good well, but, but even question. But within Discworld, there's a... There's a couple novels which could theoretically be considered a series because they they sure. follow the same characters and a rough sort of series plot like the first three or the witches novels or the guards. Uh, what was so um, it, it, it's kind of it's kind it's kind of messy. Yeah. So um, some somebody named Nick Martell says this is something I have a huge interest in knowing as well. 
because I right. think it could easily sway a bunch of ways. My guy says it wouldn't, it wouldn't the same series, I guess wouldn't be the same series unless the separate series came together at some point. And then <laughs> Jesse says, right, 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 Philip right, Jose right. Farmer has a theory for you. Right. So well, 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 yeah, but you that's said Dracula that and yeah, you, but uh, that's Tarzan. Not that's just so much him doing it. I mean, when you said the theory, I, I thought he had written some sort of essay and some fanzine about this. I know about Walt Newton. Yes, but that's, but that's the point. Is that's, that's just an example of trying but to that's, tie everything together. Well, for example, there's a novel by uh, Jules Verne that is a sequel to uh, Edgar Allan Poe novel or Edgar Allan Poe's only novel. And you say, <laughs> can you read uh, the Edgar Allan Poe novel and not know that it's connected to the other one? Uh, no. Uh, if you've read both, you know that they're connected. But you probably read the, the Jules Verne novel without knowing that Poe wrote something he's doing a sequel to. Same, same with um, Lovecraft. At the Mountains of Madness is also a sequel to that Poe novel in a certain sense. So th- are they in a series? Technically, yes. Right? But written by other authors and or sequels or whatever. It's very slippery. But I I just think that it's funny that Philip Jose Farmer is trying to tie everything together. Or if you... Another way to go is the Alan Moore, right? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Tying everything together. I have a book um, on the way called Jesus on Mars by Philip Jose Farmer. I'm sure somebody said somebody suggested that. that I read that. <laughs> Some, they said that they somebody said in the wilderness. Good. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'll see what I think about it, but I found a copy on eBay and it's on the way. Jesus on Mars. Jesus on Mars. I hadn't even heard of it before. I um, frankly no, have no, not heard of this either. one either. Mm-hmm. It's 1979. Uh, yeah. It's got a good cover. Mhm. Yeah, I got, I, I, I know nothing about that. Social commentary on the Justice Society. The World of Tears. You guys remember that? T I E R S. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That was a fascinating series. He said that that is uh, so underrated. (laughs) He says people don't talk about that one enough, he said. It's a series, so Jesse will never do it or read it. (laughs) Jesse does one book in a series, no problem. The the start book generally the the the, 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 the first book is self contained. If you ever, I don't even have no idea if it's even available as an audio book. That's a good question. Could be. Are you almost done, Trish? Oh yes, talking? I'm done. Oh okay, you're a fast reader. I can't imagine trying to finish that. Westlake we is talking. a pretty fast read. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <laughs> Save it. Save it. As soon as Paul's finished looking, we can start. Paul's looking to see if it's World of Tears is an audio book, and I don't see it. Paul wanted me to take a few weeks off, and yet he's always trying to add new books to the schedule. I see an inherent <laughs> conflict here. Uh, it's, it's not that I don't want you to do books. It's just that you have such a lead time. Like, six months later, I forgot what the bleep we actually talked about. So it's okay. It's a little, it, there's a little bit of a... A little bit of a disconnect. And the way that the news goes, we're in a completely different world after that six months. That's right. It's It's completely different. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm happy with that. No, it doesn't look like World of Tears is on an audio. It's all right. I did find out, I told Jesse this, that 
there are some Niven shorts now in audio. Yeah. Um, oh, Niven shorts. Cool. Yeah, and there have been in the so, past, so I'm not sure. Uh, I'll have to have a look. Downpour.com. Um, are they just individual on Audible? Yeah. All right. So oh, I remember awesome. books on tape used to. Yeah, have, they had a, um, they had most of his stuff. So yeah, they had. I mean, uh, what was that? I mean, you could do a constant move, Jesse. Yeah. Um, I'm looking now, so it your says favorite, madness from inconstant. <laughs> story. I don't know there. if it's my favorite Niven story, but it's a it's a very important story. No, but yeah, but I mean, you haven't done you haven't done a you haven't done a. It's also pretty slight. On, it's pretty you? slight. You can basically talk about it super fast. There's um, uh, um, I've I've noticed sometimes we talk about short stories longer than the novels. <laughs> well, yes, so, but it, it's very so, dependent. Yeah, but right? No, that, no, no, it it's really dependent. Like on what it is. So you, if you're reading an Edgar Allan Poe story, that you can talk for five, six, seven times as long as the story. No no question. But, um, you know, Inconstant Moon is is pretty simple story. Uh, and uh, the, what what you could talk about, though, is there, there's actually two uh, earlier versions of it um, by other authors. That's pretty interesting. There's... Uh, Couple of so I'm I'm just looking at the the um okay so by release date I guess okay that did not work out but they have they have lots of good uh, Larry Niven content World of Tavs and so Gift I'm, from I'm Earth. Looking, the the title that I was thinking of was Crashlander that has yeah. all the Beowulf Schaefer novels or stories in it yeah and I, I'm on Amazon and it says you know there's a mass market paperback and then it says audio comma cassette. <laughs> <laughs> so it must not be on Audible. Well, this is uh, they, they do have a lot of. I'm seeing them here, individual stories. So I, I need to. So, so looking, looking, looking on Audible, they have for a foggy night, Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex, which is really an essay, not a short story. All the myriad ways, waited out the jigsaw man. Well, that's a good one. Um, that um, what can you say about chocolate covered manhole covers, the theory and practice of time travel, not long before the end, be calmed in hell, passerby, exercise and speculation, the theory and practice of teleportation, again, not a short story, it's an essay, in constant moon. Yeah, they got, they, they are quite a, a madness from, madness from the constant moon, a collection of short works from Larry Nippet. Yeah, so that oh. would be, that would be the one that we would need to uh, oh, ask permission to podcast. Yes. Oh my gosh, sold. And it's got <laughs> period ways, passerby, foggy night, waited out, jigsaw man, not long before the end. Oh my story, god. Yeah. Man of steel, exercise speculation, the practice costume. Wow, that's a really nice collection. Mm-hmm. I, I likes it. Anybody know anything about this uh, Secret of Black Ship Island by Niven Purnell and Barnes? No. What's what secret of Blackship Island? Yeah, it's a novel, four point five three hours. Sea oh, it's a uh, the Herat series. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that explains. I didn't know there was any more of those. It says book one point five in the Herat series, oh, and it also says book oh, three. So I don't know what that means. It, oh, it's a novella. <laughs> it's a novella set between the two novels. Uh huh. Between Legacy of Herat and Beowulf's Children. Okay. It's also mm-hmm. the Burning Tower. I remember read that. Um, um, also a gold, golden rose series. Good. Okay. It's not as good as Burning City. Just saying. Yeah. 
See, I need somebody to tag these with in a series, and then I can X them out. (laughs) 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 But I I believe, like, uh, Larry Niven's Stone Space is... I I treat those as not series, even though they're set in the same, you know... Even though they're the same characters? um... No, 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 no. I mean, like... Like, so Beowulf Schaefer is set in the same universe as Larry Niven's uh, Ringworld books, right? Yeah. But they're separate. Has anybody read um, any... I think there's two sequels to Dream Park. I've read I Dream have, Park, yes, and it's, I, it's it's fun, but not terrific. Yeah. But I just wondered, are they, the show on ones it. any good? Yeah, we um, did. Like uh, the Barsoom Project? Yeah, I read, I read the Barsoom Project. Project. Is it fun? It's it's fun. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. you know it's if if you weren't wowed by Dream Park, I don't know that you need to spend your time on Barsoom, but it's fine. I'd be I up really for the Integral Trace. I, I I I, I also idea. read California Voodoo Game and I really disliked it. Read mm-hmm. Grover like, Gardner though. Why? And here's why: because we we have the technology given for the first two books as you know, basically a, basically like a, a kind of like a basically a physical setup, and then they go change the technology and retcon it completely to be VR, which is completely different than the first two novels. No, I think the first book's VR. It's a completely different physical setup as far as how the technology works. And it's just, it's like jarring right out of the story. He's like, no, you can't retcon the basic premise of the story (laughs) and, and how the tech works. That's not how that works. That works, Larry Niven. Let me ask you this, Paul. How many how many uh, Larry Niven shows do you think we've done? Um, don't look. Four. That's a good guess. Trish, um, Trish will have no idea, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, I don't know your six. Vast catalog, the correct answer. <laughs> the correct answer is ten. Wow. Ten. I know. Uh, right. More than we thought. I guess um, surprising. Right? So I can remember. I get, yeah. Footfall. We never did Lucifer's Hammer. Did the we? first one you and oh. I did. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was just you and me, episode 91, Oath of Fealty. Right, I remember Which that. I'd Oath never read before, and it's a bad mm-hmm. book. Yeah. It's uh, like, oh, it's like, wow. The second one we read was also a bad book, Dream Park. Mm-hmm. We did that with Julie. And then uh, Moten's God's Side, I think that's Paul's first show. Oh, maybe well, not. first show was football. Right, right. So that's uh, Tamahomey, Julie, and Jenny. Uh, and then A World Out of Time. Um, which That's I think it was, like, yeah, it's it was a long time ago. It's got a witch in it, right? Uh, Footfall, there's the one with Paul. And then that's how Paul came on the show. And that's episode 203. And and then, I think I was on that one. Uh, yep, Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ringworld, uh, Jesse, yep. Paul, and Misa. And then Ringworld Engineers, Jesse, Paul, and Misa. And <laughs> by that time, we're like, we're done with Ringworld, I think. We're done with Ringworld, yes. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You don't need to read any more of the no, Ringworld stories less, after less that. Less good and less good and less good. Uh, Protector. Um, that, that's a great book. Uh, Jesse, Paul, and Misa. Uh, Gripping Hand, which is a sequel, right, to yep. Molten mm-hmm. Gods. Um, and that is uh, Jesse, Paul, and Misa. And then uh, Magic Goes Away. That was the last one. Right. Almost, uh, wow, 498. So that that's one, yeah. hundreds, of, hundreds of episodes ago. So, so it's time to do more Larry Nivis, what you're saying. I think that's, <laughs> that's inferable. 
Um, I, I, I'd be I up for the integral first. trees because I know that I've read that years ago, and I remember disliking parts of it, but just being amazed by. I I, I remember reading it years ago and being being hit by the sense of wonder of yeah, living in he's zero got, gravity of a giant smoke ring. Yeah, it wasn't what I wanted because it was about a tribe of people. And I'm like, I want to explore this place. And they're like, no, we're dealing with a crisis right now. We can't deal with you, <laughs> Jesse. We can't explore. Um, I don't think I ever read The Smoke Ring. Did you guys read that? I read The Smoke Ring. Mm-hmm. And what did you it, think? It, it, it basically ties in the, the Rammer universe. Yeah. The Rammer World Out of Time universe and basically has a sh- starship show up. So, Rammer's great. Rammer as a story is great. We're a lot of time I'm a little more dubious about. So, yeah, the maybe I'll try and con- see if I can get a contact with um, somebody in, uh, in the. Uh, boring. Get a copy yeah, of that. Blackstone group. Get see a copy what- of that and we can do that. Uh, well, it would probably be we do a show on Madness from Inconstant Moon and then get get one audiobook from it, right? Yeah. That put out the traditional way. Um what about the seascape tattoo? Anybody know anything about that? There Niven and Burns. Seascape tattoo. Read by Patrick from Niven and Barnes. That's the uh the oh, here we are. park people, right? Um, yeah, sort of, yeah. It says What? the heck is this? He said, wondering. Arrows of Azteca and Neolith Petor are the deadliest enemies. Swords and sorcerer locked in mortal combat who have tried to kill each other more times than either can count. Well, when the princess Neoloth loves this cat kidnapped, I think they have some chronicle problems there. There's only one plan that hopes anyone will rescue that requires passing off the barbarian. I'm going to send a, a link to everybody because you read so fast. Um <laughs> I can, I'm I'm reading it on the screen, and I'm like, you're reading so fast, I can barely follow it. All right, yeah. There, there. It's at it's at the bottom. There's a little limited thing there. Um, it says it's from 2016, so I'm assuming yeah. this is a relatively modern uh, book. I'll just check Goodreads and see what 3.6. Everything on Goodreads is 3.6. It's useless. I already had it in my wish list, which is interesting. So I must have heard about it at some point. Well, what do people say about it? Uh, four stars. Okay, went places I never expected. Howard Liber Moore pastiche. Hmm. Well, we do like our Liber around here and Moore and Howard. So, so this this review sounds interesting. Look, I like Larry Niven, particularly his earlier work. I understand that it isn't fashionable, but I enjoyed him enough in my youth to seek out his books. I would admit that his later work just isn't quite as good, but this effort, set in the universe of The Magic Goes Away, aha! Magic aha. magic is a natural resource, blah, 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 uh, is just excellent sword and sorcery. Uh, typo. Reminds me of Conan written by a good modern author complete with the expected barbarian versus wizard tropes with a modern day twist in terms of plot spelled wrong. Uh, writing a character worth a read if S and S, I guess sword and sorcery is a genre you enjoy. Um, and then there's uh, a one star review following that. So it's all over the place. What is this called again? It's called, I sent a, it's to, in the, the group chat. The Seascape Tattoo. The Seascape Tattoo, yeah. And there's a <laughs> sea monsters on the cover uh, going after uh, sailing vessels. 
I, I mean, it's set in the magical way, and I do like that world, as we, I've oh, said. So. That back that back ship looks like it's steam-powered, so we've got some sort of uh, genre I, mixing. I'm, but, but, but remember, the magic goes away. They use magic for technology, so it may... It may code like a, it may code like that, but it's really just mag- the magic of that era, which well, can look very strange. I'm thinking that the 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 seas are a good place to have a lot of magic because you don't have a lot of magic users on the seas using oh. up all the magic, right? So maybe yeah, that's, so the mana might the, be there. Yeah, I'm up that's for that. that. That makes sense. Who wants to do this book? Yes. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! All right. Um, next open slots are. Where? Uh, oh, I'm looking at reading short and deep. Next open is 717, July 17th. 8 a.m. Is it a Saturday, Scott? Um, I'd have to look at the, the day and everything. Go ahead and put it on the Sunday. You want to? Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, we want you, Scott. We want you. <laughs> and be able to be there. Let's see. Um, for the summer, um, after this weekend, I'm off for the summer. As Woo-hoo! far as the church stuff goes, Woo-hoo! I can go on. I can go on Saturday night instead oh. on these. Oh days, well, so. yeah, we can move it around to a different time of day. In fact, um, if we want to be more accommodating for uh, our um, Australian people, it's it's nice to be flexible because I know, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, it used to be the reason I wanted to do it on. Sunday is because uh, it was good for Scott and it was bad for Scott. Um, so we did it at different times, but I used to also have Saturday classes. I have cl- one, two classes one day a week right now, so it's ridiculous. I don't need to... I could do it any time of day, basically. So, Or any day, almost. But um, yeah, so, The skates got put on there. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody was pushing for it. Oh, where is it? Is it on the it's schedule? It's on seven ten. Seven ten. Um, oh yeah, there yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how people feel about that, but that could be on a Sunday that week. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on Saturday though. Somebody yeah, booked it for Saturday. Who did? That's great. I can totally do it if you want to leave it there. Yeah, that's I would great. say leave it because I don't remember to... being involved with the scheduling of that. <laughs> well, when was the last time you were on? Was it for the the um? What did we do last week? Yeah, we have a uh, Jack Vance Alliance. I remember doing that one, and that's on June sixth, is Sunday. All right, should work fine. All right, um, all right. So Seascape Tattoo. I'm putting my name. I'm putting yeah, Paul's put my name. name on there too. I Scott think Pope. I can. Jesse, Paul, Scott, uh, Trish. Sure. Trish. Okay. Fun. Uh, that'll be good. Um. Uh, <laughs> and Revival by Stephen King, you guys are doing. Yeah, we're doing a lot of King of late, and Evan's a big fan. He's read cool. everything by King, it sounds like. you got plenty of people on that one, so... If you want to do it, I'm happy to no, have no, it. It's good. How about Murder in the Gun Room? Murder in the Gun Room? By H.P. Piper. H.P. Piper? Yeah, it's a yeah, mystery, locked room locked mystery. mystery. Fuzzy one? Uh, no, it's not fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy who wrote the fuzzy. Oh yes, he is the fuzzy yeah, man. He's the guy who wrote fuzzy. I, I ran across a book I haven't read, but um, it's called Space Viking. Oh yeah, I've read that. It's, it's on Librivox. Is, is it fun? It, 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 it's it, it, it's very it's very pulpy, 
uh-huh. kind of sword and planet sort of thing. Ooh, I mean, it, it's of its era. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a couple of books we've done. Um, I, I liked it because it's got hypersensibilities to it. But um, what bo- I'm trying to remember what book that you did that that reminds me of. Okay. It can, reminds me of some Paul Anderson. You can just thank me for bringing that to LibriVox. There you go. <laughs> Mark Douglas I just Nelson. Read, um, I just read Njal's saga, uh, Icelandic saga, and it is so good. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I thought it was absolutely terrific. And um, so, yeah, uh, when I saw s- Space Vikings, I was like, well, I wonder if uh, they're like Viking sensibilities in that book or in stuff. What? I mean, there's a whole section of the Traveler RPG universe area that's basically based on this book. They decided we love this. Nice. We're going to put this into the traveler universe. So, uh-huh. yeah, I'm up for it. It's it's seven hour, seven and a half hours. Yeah, it's it's. It, it, I think it's Trish it's Trish is good. a piper. I was going to say piper head. Is that what? What the? I'm not sure. A pipe head. I think there's a word. For a pipe head. Well, and a, a beamer. How about a beamer? Can you be a beamer? <laughs> sure. <It's like> a <laughs> pipe beamer. <laughs> yeah, I definitely read it. I have no idea if it's any good. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's. I think it's actually. I, I vaguely remember listening to it, so um, I think it is good. Um, I think it is, spiking, it is good in my humble sp- opinion. Spiking. Yeah, it is. It is uh, winding its way to me uh, from Paperback Swap. Um, good read. Which is a great site, you guys. If you guys aren't <laughs> on there, <laughs> I you, love it. You lording that over me. I'm, I'm, I just think it's awesome. Well, you, if you ever find one on there, you just let me know, and I'll I give know. it to you. You're so lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3.8 see that in terms of um, Goodreads that's like a a 10 out of 10 (laughs) 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 when his wife is murdered on his wedding day Lucas Trask launches himself on a quest for revenge using his personal fortune he buys a spaceship and becomes a (laughs) space viking Viking. (laughs) raiding worlds while while hunting his wife's killer but but raiding we can't read this. His wife was fridged. <laughs> I see Shakespeare's Planet on your list. Oh, dude, I love that book. I, w- I haven't I w- read I it since. To be in I'm going to put my name on it. I don't know. It's not scheduled yet. But uh, Has it got a Audible? Oh, is that what we're waiting on? I don't know. Shakespeare's Planet. Let's see. Shakespeare's Planet. Shakespeare's. I'm spelling it wrong. Oh, God. Why can't I spell Shakespeare? There we go. <laughs> Shakespeare. Yes. That, uh, there he is. Yes. Six point, uh, six point, uh, five hours. Read by David, David Drummond. Drummond. I'm, yeah. I'm up for that as soon as you put it on the schedule. Okay. Well, we can leave it off for the moment and. Oh man! No, we'll put it on. I'm, I'm in. Okay, we're space Viking. <laughs> but I can't. Let's see, space Viking. Paul wants me it? to take weeks off. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, sorry. He's gonna have to start posting twice a week. <laughs> I, I, it's recording twice a week too, though. Uh-huh. I, I don't care about the the eventual release date. I only care about the reading more books. Be sure to put in your will that uh, designate whoever's going to post all of them. Right. Uh, 
He's gonna have oh yeah, the exec, the executor is gonna have a. You're gone, Jesse. <laughs> that's that's the plan. That's the plan. Um, by oh, I love it. Oh, so I'm gonna put space Viking by H Beam Piper. Yeah. On this uh, Bean Beam Piper. So what? Is so seven seventeen. Jesse, Paul, uh, Trish, Scott for Jesse. space Viking. Space Viking. <laughs> that's a different book. So Seascape Tattoo will just be on a regular Sunday. Okay. Is that right? I mean, that's... that's I think so. Did you right? check the date on there? Yeah. Paul and Trish are okay with that? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm okay with that. I can... Okay. I have a little more flexibility on my schedule now since I'm being... I, have, I used to be Tuesday through Saturday, but now I'm Monday through Friday. So okay. now I can podcast on Saturdays pretty much. Okay. Needed. Uh, but by the way, that series question you had earlier, Paul, um, yeah. uh, that's the only thing really holding me back from knowing whether we're going to, I'm going to push for the mysterious island because <laughs> mysterious <laughs> island is a sequel kind of, right? Yeah, but they're pretty different. That's the problem is, is, um, I, I feel like I don't want to miss out on something. Well, on the other hand, I also don't want to read 20,000 leagues under the sea, Anytime soon. <laughs> so that's why it's getting pushed down the schedule rather than like instantly. I want to. Yeah. Whatever. Let's, uh, let's do a show, shall we? Let's do a podcast. Showtime. Showtime. Yeah, that's a good idea. Recording is good. Recording. Oh, actually, I've been recording all along. <laughs> so. It's like the Cowardly Lion or whatever. <laughs> you had, I'm not the Cowardly Lion. Or whichever character it is who had the thing all along in Wizard of Oz. Which one was that? Dorothy? Uh, <laughs> you're talking about... No, she had to get had shoes to get to back. to home all the time? Yeah, but they all wanted something, right? Yeah, so right? it's Dorothy, actually. Was it? <laughs> oh, okay. No, she... had she, the power to go home. She had to have the green shoes, didn't she? She had the red shoes. No, no, she, in the book it's the green shoes. shoes. Emerald yeah, shoes. But, uh, in the book it's silver shoes, I think. Really? I think Trish is wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, because the whole... Whole oh right, the whole uh, silver, um, silver gold thing. Yes, <laughs> that's right. I don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about, but the, oh, you're saying that it's a metaphor it a for the gold standard. A lot of um, stuff about economic theory. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you look behind the symbolism, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, the yellow uh, brick currency, roll. you know, uh, gold standard, silver standard, that kind of thing. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, I guess the digital version will be the Bitcoin road. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a cyberpunk adventure. <laughs> probably, probably going to be terrible. Almost uh, retellings of it are pretty terrible. Um, all right, let's do a show on a Donald Westlake novel. I'm for it. Let's. I'm again it. <laughs> <laughs> you say up, I say no. 